Hi everybody, welcome to this episode, it's episode 31 of um, Dave Walsh podcast, Drums in the Shed. Um, thanks for checking in, thanks for coming back. Bit of a disaster last week, ended up not um, being able to make an episode, very busy week and um, kept putting off the episode, I'll do it tomorrow, I'll do it tomorrow. And then just couldn't get around to doing it. And then also I'd had a, a few questions uh, about similar thing that I'd posted a few weeks ago or over the last few weeks on and off um, and kind of linked to another episode I was talking about. So I sort of decided I, I thought I'm going to do a couple of episodes kind of about the drum kit Um so if the sound's a bit different today, it's because I've got a different mic. Um, and, yeah, I'm not using my normal mic because you get something, you get a lot of bleed in that microphone. So so I decided to um, to do this episode at the kit. I'm going to do a couple of episodes at the kit. Um, so a different kind of format, really. Um, just talking about uh, a different, couple of different approaches to some different things that I've had some questions about and uh, just something I wanted to talk about really it's quite interesting I've been finding it interesting just all linking to kind of practicing with a metronome really and practicing time links back to a, an earlier episode I did a while ago which was about practicing to the metronome different approaches to practicing with a metronome um, I've also decided to video this episode I'm not going to release the whole thing on YouTube or anything because it's just massive files far too long but I might use some of the excerpts from it um yeah so but yeah it's been a busy week um been doing not been doing too much drum stuff actually it's been very busy at work and then Wednesday I've been off work and I planned to do this on Wednesday and then got involved in DIY as you do um had to paint, do a bit of painting, paint a shed, which is very interesting. Not this shed, uh, my the garden shed. Um, and it's just because the weather's been so bad, it's kind of finding breaks in the weather, really. You know, you've got to get a kind of break in the weather to get the paint done, and then it, it starts raining again, and then you know, another day we can't do anything, and then the next day it's a bit of a break in the weather, get some more painting done. Uh, so it's been sort of a bit like that, really. And, um, yeah, I've not been doing too much on the kit, which has been a strange, strange thing, because the last few months I've been doing quite a lot of drums. But um, this last week or so, I've not been really on the drums very much. So I'm feeling a bit kind of rusty, which is a nice time to kind of revisit something which um, which was kind of linked to today's kind of podcast, really. I actually framed this episode... Uh, a day in the life of practice but actually I came to think about actually what would be in the episode and what I would talk about it's not it doesn't really kind of link very well to that title and this is more about practicing with a metronome and um, basically looking at some odd time signature things um, and so I posted quite a few videos recently about this this thing I've been practicing in 23 um, 
which sounds like a sort of preposterous time signature, really, but it's actually not. It's it's all linked to uh, work I've been doing on just really triplet time signatures, and uh, and twenty three is just one less obviously than twenty four, and twenty four is quite simply two bars of um, regular two bars of four lots of triplet quavers, twenty four beats, you know, twelve in a bar, two twelves. And there's a lovely thing about the 212 um, beat cycle, the 24 beat cycle, which is a kind of West African thing, uh, which I love, um, which is this idea of you can divide 24 into several different ways, but if you're just looking at sort of nice, even grouping, stuff that's very, very kind of easy to kind of work out, you've got the, um, you know, 6-8 or the 12-8 thing. So it's just like you know regular kind of um, twelve eight kind of vibe, you know, a bit like the Afro Cuban bembe thing. You know, anything like that, kind of normal kind of thing. But there's this wonderful thing in West African music where you get these kind of two fundamental layers of rhythm that overlap each other, and um, and so the the, the first kind of set of rhythm is, is divided into 12 or 6, you know, da, 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 da. One, two, three, four, one, two, one. We say, you want. think about it, it doesn't really matter. But there's another way you can divide those quavers up, and the quavers are... Okay. So that way is this, um, and I'm sure I've talked about this before, you divide in, you've still got this pulse going on, so I'm sort of feathering the bass drum high on two and four, and you've got this. One, two, three, four. But you can also divide these quavers up into what I would think of as three groups of eight over the 24 beats. Okay, so that's one bar of it. And the sticking, you've got to practice this. It's very, very simple sticking. It's just right, left, right, left, right, right, left, left. So I'm just trying to, I've got a microphone, so even my face is, I'm trying to play whilst navigating, not hitting the microphone. I'm not very good at not hitting microphones. It seems to be a pastime of mine. So here's, here's your kind of beat again. So that's a 12-8 kind of vibe. And that is just that sticking right, left, right, 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 left, right, left, right, right, left, left, which is or one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, or uh, four beats of right, left, so right, left, right, left, and then four beats of of uh, mammy, daddy, you know, the double stroke row, right, right, left, left. And then just as a kind of just as a point of articulation, for instance, you want to get into that thing. Uh, it's nice to 
it's nice to kind of articulate a little bit like that, I think. So you get the right, left, right, left, right, right, left, left. So you've got weighty right hand. And the second of both lefts is kind of articulated. If you can hear that. You hear what I mean? I, I, I'm always... If you've listened to an episode that talks about uh, making rudiments your own and stuff, um, this paradiddle-diddle thing, um, I'm always... I'm always accenting that second left in the paradiddle-diddle. Right, left, right, right, left, left. Sometimes I'll accent the, the, the right as well. But uh, other times I won't do. So uh, it's the same in this. The, the left hand is definitely got more of an accent than the right hand. It just again, it just links to the paradiddle little thing. It's just a way I like to articulate phrasing. So you can go between those two rhythms. Go, no, da, 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 da. Now all I'm doing there as well is is adding like a little double stroke in the left hand every so often. Just makes things kind of a little bit more interesting as well. It's just a it all links to um this kind of rudimental uh, approach to the Ted Reed syncopation exercises when you tripletize those triplet uh, sorry, those quaver exercises, you tripletize them. So there's da ba ba da 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 da. So you got this one, two, three, four, da ba da 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 da. That's the da 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 da, not da 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 da. But they're all they're all straight quaver um, triplet exercises. But when we practice them in jazz, we tend to uh, swing them so they end up. So, and then we put them onto the snare drum. So now I've tripletized it. I'm playing the same accents. I'm filling in the gaps with quiet quavers, just hand to hand. And then if I want to make it sound a little bit more interesting, I add double strokes. Now you can just add double strokes occasionally. You know, not every time. And that's that's sort of vocabulary. Practicing that stuff really helps you when you're playing these kind of bembe rhythms and 12-8 rhythms because they're all triplet-based. They've all got articulation or accents. And they've all got opportunity when you fill in the gaps to double stroke those um, ghosted strokes, if you like. So down. And it's the same, like if you're playing like a New Orleans rhythm, you're playing that kind of a Stanton Moore sticking. Down, down. I just swing it slightly um, and then I fill in the gaps with the left. I'm, I'm playing the right, right, left, right, right, left, right, left. If I start to. I 
I can just play it. I can actually tripletize all of it. But the, when you sort of over tripletize things, uh, when you're actually playing them, it just becomes, you know, too bit too much, doesn't it? So it's just nice to have that occasional triplet thing going on. Dun, dun, dun. It's always got that, that sort of cascara rhythm in the New Orleans thing. And you've got those two, oh, sorry about that, my phone's on there. Um, you've got those two different, basically, things going on within the articulation, you know. So, let's get, let me get the metronome set back to where it was. Yeah. Uh, yeah, must remember to practice that. Um, sometime not played that for a long time so anyway they're just all ideas aren't they so um it's not supposed to be a kind of performance um podcast it's just supposed to be a learning podcast so anyway the 12-8 rhythm thing is not going off down on a rabbit hole or a tangent but it's just talking about been practicing a lot of these kind of tripletized exercises and i was kind of working on this thing of sort of truncating or clipping uh the the triplets um groove over two bars so you end up with a bar of 12 and then a bar of 11 so the 23 thing really is um when somebody says to you oh what is i've written a piece in 23 my immediate reaction is of huge anxiety of like oh no i've got no idea how this is going to how am I going to play? How am I going to express myself over this time signature? And that's one of the, the sort of big anxieties, really, of playing in odd time signatures, you know, is that people worry about being able to uh, express their ideas. You know, our, our vocabulary is only useful to us when we understand where to put it. Um, if you're playing free, then that's different, you know, because you have a choice of where to put it. It's it's kind of easier in a way to uh, to access your vocabulary when you play freely. Now that's not the same as you know someone playing kind of free jazz and free playing where they are using their vocabulary to create you know composition and form. And also when people on the other side of it, when people are playing within form and within composition and playing freely, as in having no not being inhibited by those things, that's very different. But if you're just playing any old thing, then that's, you know, that's fine. As soon as somebody puts any kind of restriction or rules, if you like, within what we're doing, then we have to be prepared, you know, we have to be ready. So for me, this is a common, this is a comment I can make for myself. It may resonate with you because it may be a similar experience for you. But my main experience of rhythm and time signatures within the music of my culture, how I grew up, what I listened to in music, which was mainly uh, when I was younger was chart music, was music on the radio. And as I got older, it became a different music, which was, um, you know, more about 
me getting into the love of music and the love of drums with the music and the love of drummers and studying all that stuff but still fundamentally the love of music you know and it's still all about the love of music for you know fundamentally it's all from that place it's not from drums to music it's you know what 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 can i how can i serve the music best you know so with that in mind the music that has most influenced me has been in two time signatures or any kind of time, sing time signature sorry, that's linked to those two time signatures. One is 4-4 four, four, or 2-2 two, two, or common time music or common time music, whatever way you want to think about it. And the other is 3. So music that's in 3-4, waltzes, 6-8 music. So, you know, uh, West African music as well, Bembe, all that music, that Latin music listened to a lot of that music even when I was younger. Knew a lot about 6-8 even when I was younger. I used to play 12, you know, the kind of 12, right? You know? you know, that rhythm, bizarrely, was maybe number five or four in some basic drum book that I may have looked at when I was 12, you know. You started off with the 8-beat, you know. And then the next one may have been which I think was the first rhythm I ever played on the drums. And then, you know, there may be like um, a rhythm which is more minimum-based or crotchet-based. More driven from the bass drum, you know, like that kind of evolution of Motown and all that stuff. Uh, maybe even a Motown thing. Those kind of rhythms. But at some point, you know, not that long from the start of playing the drums and looking at early rhythms. That rhythm was very, very familiar to me at a very young age. Um, and also blues kind of rhythms, because, you know, the, England has this kind of link with sort of blues. <laughs> it's a blues that I think has been interpreted. The north of England particularly, you know, all this kind of... And sort of slow trip. Etc. So those kind of just anyway, blah, blah blah blah. I digress. So anything that's away from those time signatures is not within what I was, you know, my early years of just listening to music. Anything that's that's basically odd. So within different groupings of four and three or two and three, which is essentially the way I think about it. Um, well, it was the way I used to think about it. Now I think about it in a, maybe a slightly more sophisticated way, but it, it's actually kind of a more organic way, I think. But anything that kind of combined those, those two worlds of two and three or four and three was really tricky, especially when I first started out. And so the first, uh, and let's see, for the first kind of music that I heard that was in odd time signatures was actually, and it's quite common for a lot of people, was Dave Brubeck. And uh, take five, you know, and the take five thing is one, two, three, one, two. etc etc 
And that's a one, two, three, one, two. Now, of course, five can be one, two, one, two, three uh, as well. You know, it could also be four and one and all kinds of things. It could just be five. Um, but I don't want to get too much down that road in this episode. But that was one of my first introductions to five, you know. And the thing that's interesting about take five is that the the actual link to five is is really the, is the piano riff, the composition, you know. Because that's what the piano plays all the way through that vamp. It's, I just see it as a vamp, you know, that tune. <clears throat> it's got two sections. It's got this. And then the B section where it's got the, got the changes and it's got the, the different melody. And things sort of brighten. They open up slightly, you know. Um, still follows the one, two, three, one, two, one, two, three, one, two, etc. But um, the piano in the A section on the main vamp is the anchor for everything, you know. So um, it very much links you into this this thing a lot of people do with, with odd time signature playing is it's very kind of bar-to-bar -bar playing when they first get into it because it's hard to hear or syncopate over the bar line and be and still be on top of the time signature. And um, I think some of that, for me, came from learning tune that, that take five thing because it's very, feels very locked into the bar, you know. So anyway, the odd time tune thing is not really in my culture. And uh, I was, a couple of people have asked me about kind of practicing odd time signatures and different ways of approaching. Now, I don't I don't want to go too massively into detail of all those different things. They're kind of uh, for a different time. Um, but I wanted to sort of go from this thing of, of playing five and seven then to this idea of this 23 thing and looking at the 12 and the 11 and just looking at this thing of using the metronome. Um, there we go. So... So the metronome, which is, hopefully you can hear that metronome. Um, turn the other things off. <clears throat> so I thought I'd set just a kind of, you know, quite a relaxed tempo. I haven't got it. I've just got it on the floor, Tom. So I'm hoping you can hear that. So this is set to just crotchets, 85 for your reference. <clears throat> And my reference, actually. Um, so one thing to maybe think about practicing, when you're first getting into practicing along with a metronome and playing in odd time signatures, is most people will try and sort of set the metronome to be in the odd time signature, which, which can be useful. But one thing you can maybe think about doing, as, as soon as, like early on as you can, really, is trying to sort of just leave the metronome on a common, like just just in four, just a one. This is a one pulse metronome. There's no if I if I put like now it's got a downbeat. One, two, three, four. It's got a pitch on the downbeat. I can put the have can have that pitch on the downbeat, but uh, I might actually use that middle sound because it cuts through a bit more. So let me set the whole thing. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think that's a slightly better sound, actually. Um, <clears throat> so that's set to, it's just in one. And um, without articulation, all rhythm's in one, really, isn't it? Without any sort of form of articulation, syncopation. It's just We just have a, a pulse. Everything's a pulse. So <clears throat> this is um, pulsing in one at the moment. And that's kind of helpful, actually, because... If I'm thinking of five, one, two, three, four, 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 five, one. Okay. So I'm just sort of singing through four bars of five there. And as you can hear, the metronome, because I've got it set on half of the value of the five, because I'm I'm singing quavers one and two and three and four and or one, two, three, four, five, one, two, three, four, five, one. And I can play that as well. Okay, so I'm just articulating five there, very simply. The metronome is is nice because the metronome does it does two things for me, which are useful, and it might be useful to you to think about this, is that it the metronome plays on the beat, so to speak, within the first bar, and then the second bar it seems to go onto the offbeat. And then the third bar comes back on the beat again and goes on. So it's going on and off the beat all the time, which is quite a nice thing because it then kind of gives me a little bit more ownership of the time back. And the metronome, it feels like he's more accompanying me than, than, than actually dictating to me the time. So when I'm practicing things in five, I like this thing of them feeling the metronome on and off the beat. And as, it, as you know, as we move through the cycle, it's just going on and off. And it's the same in seven. Um, if I've got one, two. back onto the beat again. It's nice. Again, I've got the same feeling. Um, gets more interesting in a minute when we talk about the twenty-three thing because there's two fundamentally different ways. Um, sorry, there's three actually. Well, there's quite a few, but the fundamental ways is it's it's written from a triplet composition thing, but actually there's a four. There's more of a four thing that runs through it as well. There's also a five thing, and it's just some quite simple maths. But when you have a common um, metronome setting underneath it that's just in one, so to speak, or divided every fourth quaver like this is, um, well, we'll be in a minute. It gets quite interesting. So, anyway, so if we're playing something in five, one, two, three, four, five. So I've just got that pulse running through it all the time. Um, and it's good at like a, the beginning there, do you hear it's a bit rushy? 
and it's just nice. If you get a bit rushy, you feel yourself starting to wander. The metronome kind of talks to you. Well, it just, I feel like it's talking to me, saying, hey, uh, what rushing? Normally in the right foot for me. Uh, I think it was left foot then because I just opened the hi-hat. But you just that, you just get that thing of the metronome and you're communicating and it just brings you back into the pulse, which is always nice. The thing that people, a lot of people forget with the metronome is the subtle difference between sort of trying to play with it and listening to it. And that's quite different. If you're listening to it, it means you're practicing, you're listening and you're basically paying attention to the pulse that's around you, which will not, obviously won't be a metronome a lot of the time. It'll just be other people. Um, but if you're playing in the studio with a click and you want to just have a little bit of freedom and the you know the music you're playing isn't because it doesn't need to be kind of gridded so to speak which is a common thing which a lot of people do with drums is they you so know, you record your drums and then they grid them and uh, a lot of that's used, just useful for kind of editing and, and doing all sorts of different things obviously if this program drums being played along it's, it makes things quicker to kind of sync drums up um and also, yeah, the, the editing thing is a big one. If people want to uh, like edit songs and, and want to add choruses and verses or change the arrangement of tunes around, and you've gone home with your gear and you take, you've done a great take, it's very useful to grid the, the drums so that things can be moved around a bit. But also, there is this idea of um, <clears throat> of of playing kind of ungridded and just being able to be a bit more behind the click or in front. So you. you Or on top of the click, or bang on it again. You hear the metronome disappeared a bit. So the first I was behind and just it's almost like a flam thing, really. The second one I was slightly ahead. And then the other one, I'm hopefully banging time. It's quite nice to, to practice like that with the metronome, just on a pad or something, see if you can make the sound disappear. That's a really interesting one. Um, a bit of a game. I quite like that exercise. Because you have that, <laughs> that illusion that the metronome has stopped working. Um, when you're really in time, you can't hear it. So... Anyway, so um, it's, yeah, always listen to the metronome, but don't, don't try and play with it. Make it, use it as a tool, use it as something that's, um, you know, helping you find your pocket, find the groove. So if I'm playing this five thing, Or seventh thing.
etc etc all i'm doing there is i'm enjoying the metronome going like this thing i was talking to you about before where it's going on the beat like perceived on the beat and then perceived off the beat um i was talking to years ago i used to play uh a lot with a great piano player called Les Chisnell. And we were talking about playing in five, actually playing sort of jazz swing. And he said to me, he liked drummers that just played the hi-hat, like on two and four, in inverted commas, through the odd time signature. And uh, so if you're thinking about, let's think about four, four. If you're playing ding, ding, three, four. So the hi-hat, as you can hear, is two, one. Now, uh, let's think about playing in three now, but lead the high up. So it's on one, two, three, one, two, three, one. So again, it's the same kind of feeling. And if I'm if I'm playing in five, I can do the same thing. The higher then goes on to one, two, three, four, five, one, two, three, four, five, one, two, four, five, one, two, three, four, five. So it, it runs through the time signature on. So this is the opposite of the metronome thing. This is off and then onto the beat, so to speak. Um, the problem I have a lot in jazz, uh, and it's a kind of discipline thing, is I like to, I like to be expressive with the hi-hat. Um, so there's always a kind of calling. <laughs> I always feel this calling in the left foot to be expressive. So yeah, if I'm really disciplined, I can keep it kind of going uh, in 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 odd time signature. One. Yeah. Um, so again, it's it com that comes from practice. You know, it comes from practicing. Doesn't come from um, not being prepared. Because go back to what I was talking about before, being prepared is when you play an odd time signatures. I think it's it's pretty essential, really. Um, so that's some ideas of the sort of five and the seven thing, and using the metronome just to kind of run through the time signature. And let's talk about this twenty-three thing now. So let's put this. Uh, Let's put this on here. So uh, this links to a kind of Gavin Harrison uh, thing, which I saw on on a video. I think it's called Rhythmic Illusions or something. Uh, it's a DVD I've got uh, that I've, I've owned for a long time. It's been out a long time. And his book as well has been out a long time. Um, but on this uh, on the DVD, on the video... He's doing this exercise where he basically clips or truncates 4-4 four, four by one semiquaver with a metronome. And uh, it's a really good exercise to practice just fundamentally to get into this 
stronger um, kind of offbeat pulse, if you like. Um, so to just sort of just to explain it on the hi hat, just to, I'll just play like a really simple version of that on the hi hat. I'll be playing sixteenth note semi quavers. Okay, so I've got the sixteenth notes going here, the semi quavers. Now I'm going to basically play one of the beats. It's going to just be three. Okay. And when and then when I do that, the metronome will then move on to the second semiquaver of the bar. Now I'm on the offbeat, you see, or the second semiquaver. Now I've drifted back onto the beat. And this is what tends to happen, is when we practice this stuff, we'll get stronger kind of getting onto the beat. Yeah, it fits nicely. And then we'll... And then we're like, oh, no, I need to go back with the metronome. Ah, because the metronome is in charge. And what you're trying to do is build up enough internal time with your new downbeat that you treat the metronome as a subdivision, as part of the subdivision, not the beat anymore. So if I play that again now, I'll try and move through all four positions. So the first position is on the beat. Then the next one is uh, there. And then there's an and. And then the last one is just before, and then it goes back to being on the beat again. So that's listen to this, that what that sounds like on the hi hat. Now just do it every probably two bars, maybe four bars. See how it feels. So that's gone sort of through the cycles. Um, I'm just moving kind of forward a semiquaver. So the first bar is in 16, 4-4. Four, four. The second bar is in 15, 15, 16. It's like someone saying to you, 15, 16. Oh, my God, it's a complicated time signature. Um, it's just 3-4 and then 3-16. You know, that's all it really is. And this gets me to the 23. The 23 is very a very interesting time signature. That I really like it because it's got, as I was saying before, these two fundamental... I'll just turn it off for a second. I might go back to the other sound, actually. I think it was cutting through better when I was playing. I'm not sure. We'll see how we get on. Um, I'm really hoping you can hear that better now as well. If you can't, I'll superimpose one uh, post-production, so to speak. Um, so, yeah, 23, there's this kind of... So the, the original rhythm that I wrote, I'll play the original rhythm, actually. Um, it's basically 
a shuffle that's over two bar cycle. The second bar, the last beat is just clipped by a quaver. So it's one, two, three, two, two, three, three, two, three, four, two, three, two, two, three, three, sorry, two, two, three, two, two, three, second bar, two, three, two, three, three, two, three, four, two, one, two, three. Okay. So um, yeah, I realize that two, three, two, two, three doesn't make any sense. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, second bar, uh, the, the beat four is just two quavers, not three quavers. And it sounds like this. Very, very simple. Now there was that rhythm. That kind of thing. And then there was a half time shuffle thing, which is basically half time feel using the same division. Um, so the backbeat is twice as long. Um, Okay, now that's that's basically one, two, three, four, one, two, one, two, three, four, five, one. So I'm thinking of the second bar, the second half of the second bar, I should say, in five eight. Uh, so I'm going one, one, two, three, four, five, six, two, two, three, four, five, six, three, two, three, four, five, six, one, two, three, four, five, one, two, three, four, five, six, two, two, three, four, five, six, three, two, three, four, five, six, one, two, three, four, five, bam. Okay, I play that again. Now, um, that's really, really interesting with this metronome. Okay. Because this, um, I mean, I, I, the original thing I wrote, I think it was a, I can't remember the tempo. It's quite fast tempo. And it was basically on the division. Um, but I sort of superimposed this, uh, this, um, this metronome over the top of it. Uh, I'm trying to think of what the tempo might be actually. Might be, yeah, it might be around here actually, a little bit up. So this is sort of 92 now. No, I think it's a bit slower than that actually, it might be 88. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so we got this. Now we've got the. I'm playing the the, what you think of as. In the other groove as sixteenth notes. Now I'm playing them in groupings of three, and I'm thinking about them as triplets. Okay. And now we get this kind of the thing, that feeling of the of the three over four. You know, if you're playing 
on the hi-hats there and playing the division in groups of three the metronomes clicking every fourth of the division if that makes sense hopefully that makes sense and i was singing the four and the three because the metronome there's three beats every time i play four accents on the hi-hats yeah one two three four one two three yeah okay so now you think about that over this 23 beat cycle thing where you've got basically two bars of 12 eight with a truncated second bar. So a bar of 12 eight and a bar of 11 eight. This metronome becomes really interesting where it lands and where it syncopates. Um, and this was something when I wrote the tune, I, I put on afterwards and then subsequently did new drum takes. What I realized were was actually my time feel in the triplet was not quite as on it as it needed to be because I could hear myself slightly drifting away from this kind of inner pulse. Okay. Whereas when I was playing the other divisions of the 23, which I'll talk about in a minute, I was much more on the money. And then I found it really more difficult to go between the two. It was quite challenging. But again, it was just thinking about this idea of this, of this inner one just dividing all the way through. So if I play a little bit of the 23 on the hi-hat, first of all, you can hear what happens with the metronome and how it moves around within, within the inner groove. Because you've got this four over three overlaying thing and then something that gets clipped and it moves within the, within the cycle. Uh, it's really interesting. So uh, I'll just play on the hi-hat then you can have a listen to it. Okay. So the... Um. Okay, it comes back there. Okay, so now try it with the metronome, as you can hear. Hopefully, you can hear the metronome when I'm playing. It's going to maybe a bit tricky. I'll overlay it if you can't, but. They just wanted to hear that sort of relationship with the metronome where it kind of links with the on, the middle, and the offbeat triplet quaver, so to speak. I mean, it's funny, you see that offbeat triplet quaver because the second two of the three are above off the beat. But in jazz, we have this kind of thing where we tend to think of to get, to get, get the middle triplet quaver, the kind of elvin. I always think of elvin when I think of the middle triplet quaver. And then the, and then the offbeat, the swung quaver, um, which is where a lot of people play their phrases to. Uh, they play to the swung beat of the bar. And, and then there's your middle trumpet quaver thing. So, yeah, you can hear, anyway, when playing this groove, you'll hear that uh, where the, the metronome should kind of line itself up with those different, in those different places. Um, so remember the fundamental subdivision is this
Yeah. Etc. So hopefully you can hear there where the, the grooves kind of moving in and out and around um, that uh, that that division. Uh, it's quite interesting. Um, but just before the um, just before I move on, I'll just have a quick break, and then we'll come back to talk about um, trying to turn this thing off. Uh, yeah, talk about some of the more interesting kind of ways in which, um, well, not more interesting, but the, just the things that made this kind of time signature a bit more fun and uh, switched things up a bit for me. And again, it's really fascinating working with this kind of, this this sort of uh, one beat or um, single beat, single division metronome kind of practice, even though I'm, I'm working with three different divisions. So yeah, back. I'll be back in a minute. Hi everybody, welcome back. So it's I always find these kind of gaps funny on uh, podcasts. One I listen to a lot is the Chris Harris Edward Lovett the Collecting Cars podcast, and um, when Chris does interviews, uh, well they both do a lot, a lot of the interviews, but Chris he's always on the episodes pretty much, and he always has a break in the middle and suggests like Monster Munch or something, you know, some some superb retro snack, which uh, definitely resonates with me with my age. I'm a bit older than him, but there's definitely a connection there with uh, retro snacks. But um, they have a little jingle because obviously the, the podcast is about the uh, the online auction thing, which they which they run. Edward Lovett runs this uh, Collecting Cars, which is a really great um, online car auction platform very interesting quite different than your normal car kind of auction sites um, anyway i digress but the thing that's funny is i don't have any advert thing because in the middle i don't have adverts on this podcast i did reach out a couple of months or so ago to a few places um asking whether they wanted to, you know, sort of go into partnership or whatever and never got any response from them. So um, I thought, oh, well, sod you. Can't be bothered chasing people. They can't be bothered to even reply and say we're not interested. Um, it's a way of the world, isn't it? It's a funny old world. Um, people are just kind of weird, a bit rude in my opinion. But, you know, if you're not very interested, you're not very interested. So that's then that's fair enough, really. Um, but, um, I mean, I, I just find... Um, the people that I kind of connect with a lot in the world, they tend to communicate. It's a really beautiful concept, the communication. I really like it. Um, it's interesting communi communicating with people. We build the humans. It's a good way of, um, you know, sort of being alive, really, and having a bit of a vibe. Uh, anyway, there's no adverts on my uh, podcast yet. Um, no idea if there ever will be. Uh, I suppose if more than four people listen to it or something, maybe something, some algorithm might start sort of popping into the vibe and asking to stick some random advert on here. I don't know. don't know how it works, to be honest with you. Maybe somebody out there knows. But, 
Yeah, so I've just had a break. I've got a cup of coffee in my hand, which I realise is complete catastrophe because I'm not going to be able to do anything now with this uh, with this next segment because I'm drinking coffee. And the thing about coffee is, I always do this when I'm when I'm recording drums. Is I have a cup of coffee, you know, and I leave it in the other the sort of the other side of the shed where the door is because the computer's on the other side where I record. And um, sometimes I get a bit paranoid, like I am now. Um, that it's not recording but it is recording because um, I can't see the computer screen you see so which is a bit of a shame but it's uh, just the way I designed the shed to have a door and to be able to put a bit more soundproofing in but the, the cup of coffee is always on the other side of the door where the computer is so I come in here do a take and then I pop back to the computer press stop and make sure it's worked and then have a little sip of coffee and you know you've got this kind of window haven't you uh, if, if you're like me i like to eat food and drink drinks kind of at the optimum temperature which is not far off their maximum temperature so um you know I'm, i've got this terrible thing where i certain foods and things i just they're just not that appetizing once they get cold you know or go cooler and i like coffee Let's try and drink coffee at maximum kind of uh, temperature. Not not totally boiling hot, but just off, you know. Uh, so there's always this kind of this sort of trade-off. Is, is the tune going to be three or four minutes? And how much is the coffee going to cool down by? And now I'm in this situation where I'm trying to sort of stall for time, talk sort of nonsense to you, and finish this cup of coffee off. But I, I will, I'll just play a little segment here which is going to talk about just before the break so they got the metronome again we're back at 88 so there's our tempo so this um this groove was i basically had two other ways i was thinking about this groove and they're linked to the whole bar really uh, and the two main ways was this Thing of playing 4-4 four, four, in inverted commas and then truncating the bar with either a what I would say is a 316 or one that was a, uh, a little bit more interesting was the 7 which is you know obviously is a 5 sorry is a 4 and a 3 and then another way is was using a 5 but the 5 things uh, linked to the 3 thing because there's, there's a way, because it's 23 beats, you can play four beats of five and then a beat and then a bar of three eight. Because uh, you've got this, this, this is the pulse. Okay. So that's um, that's the basically, the, it's five, 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 three. Yeah. But uh, I'll talk about the 4-4 one first, because that's more interesting with the metronome. The 5 one is kind of more abstract. Um, it's kind of I'll get onto that in a minute. But this this middle one is the one I think most people will connect more with than the 3 and the 5 one. So there's, there's two fundamental grooves in this piece that are using this kind of 4-4 four, four and inverted commas feel. Now, the 4-4, four, four, you know, is obviously just a kind of common groove that's subdividing at this tempo um and uh, the one of them was a uh, was what i call a long three 
So it's going one, two, three. Okay, it's that kind of feel. Okay. And then the other one's just a more straightforward 4-4 four, four thing. Okay. I have to play a little bit quiet because I can't actually hear the metronome at all. I kind of blundered. I was because I've got eight channels and I've, I've basically I bought a tom mic, got a nice tom mic, floor tom mic, which I've just hit with a stick. Sorry about that. Uh, which has got which has got the old um, the she's got the metronome on it because um, I, I always put the metronome on the floor tom because it sort of seems to resonate the best. The other one is is can be this is on the high tom uh, but i tend to play the floor tom the least and now everyone everyone that i've ever taught at college will now be laughing at me because i always have the thing about putting anything on the floor tom so i always say why are you putting music on the floor tom we need to play the floor tom at some point hopefully in your life so um but it's just i can't hear the metronome when it's anywhere else um so i didn't want to put an earpiece thing in because then you wouldn't be able to hear it and then the other problem was I didn't have enough channels because I'm using my eighth channel for this mic. So I've got uh, seven channels on the drums, two overheads, two toms, snare, bass drum, and hi-hat. And then I've got this one mic which I'm speaking to you in. So I was like, ah, oh, I could have just done with an extra channel to have the metronome feeding through. Then I thought I could just overdub it all afterwards as long as I play in time. And then the thing is, of course, I remember just like, um, just a bit more coffee here. Keeping it optimum. Um, was like, am I going to be out here the metronome when I'm actually playing? Which is a bit of a nightmare. Because I'm doing this with uh, with earplugs. I wear these minus 15 decibel uh, earplugs. Real Audio, actually, is a company that I got these ones off. I've got a couple of different ones. But these Real Audio ones are 3D printed. They're good, and they've got minus 15 diaphragms. And, um, yeah, really, really good company. Uh, work with a lot of different drummers, actually. So I really recommend them. Not ad no advert intended by this, not an advert break. Um, but once I've got the earplugs in, I've got to really kind of tune into the metronome, which is a bit, a bit, bit of a nightmare. So I'm playing quite quietly. So it, and it's more sort of a demonstration playing anyway. It's not kind of blowing playing, you know. Uh, I'm just going to finish off this coffee now. And then mm, we can get on with this next segment but that was essentially playing there was the two fundamental grooves and both those fundamental grooves are truncated at the end by either a 316 or a 7 which is a 4 and a 3 so there's still this idea of it's really truncated by 3 and I was talking about this in, in, that, in the podcast a few podcasts ago where I was talking about this long 3 and then this, then then this this next three truncated by a short three at the end, and what happens with the metronome is it's because it's because we're in this kind of uh, the subdivision is even in inverted commas fundamentally as in it's four fundamentally is fundamentally four for most of the beats of the bar, apart from the last which is a truncated one, the metronome moves through this interestingly onto the second semiquaver the third semiquaver and the fourth semiquaver and this goes back to this gavin harrison exercise i was talking about earlier in the podcast okay so i'll play this on the hi-hat first of all and then you can sort of hear what i'm talking about and basically i've got to remember 
because it's easy to play it on the drums actually because I play the actual groove and playing on a hi-hat I tend to forget which one of the grooves I'm playing so I'll probably put a little bit of articulation into it just to make it sound kind of uh, like the groove that I'd be playing on the track so the first one is I think it's like the, the one that's like the long three one two three So that's the first groove. Um, I'm hoping when I overlay the metronome, you better hear that. It's a little bit moving around a little bit, but it's okay. Um, and then the second one is this. So that's the one that's three, three. That's a bar of long three, and then a, and then a, a bar of three with a truncated third beat. So it goes one and a two e and a three e and a one e and a two e and a one two three one e and a two e and a three and a one e and a two e and a one two three one e and a two e and a three. E and a two e and a one two three one e and a two e and a three and a one e and a two e and a one two three one two three and it's back on the beat again. So lovely, every four bars it comes back round again, which worked well with the composition, apart from one of the phrases with a nine bar phrase, which I was sort of turning the metronome off for that bar, just playing it more of as a long twenty three. The next one is his groove. So this is basically um, like a long four, and then this seven, 16, well, it's seven, eight, really. Um, but it's like uh, one E and a two E and a three E and a four E and a, so that's four, 16 beats. And then we need uh, seven more beats to make the 23. <clears throat> so 18, 19, 20 is a four, and then, um, then one, two, three. So, it sounds something like this on the hi-hat. Four. So practicing things like that are quite useful. So I'm just playing each beat. And then Again, so that's just kind of messing around with the same idea. With the 4-4 four -four groove, if I remember rightly, uh, it's like a half-time thing. It's like... That sort of... A one, two, three, four. One, two, three, four.
etc. So you can hear the metronome moves lovely through that. Uh, and it was really telling to me where I was kind of getting drawn back towards the metronome and being able to groove more using the metronome. And it's definitely the second semiquaver one that really I find the hardest. The, 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 the and one, and the one that's on the last before the... That one. That one I, I find okay. It's the one where you're going... where you just feel you feel yourself getting pulled back to the metro. I don't know if everyone else has experienced that kind of thing, but uh, that's definitely <laughs> definitely my experience of it. So um, so yeah, that's kind of like another way of thinking about it. And uh, the thing that's nice about that those two grooves is they link back to my first grooves, you know. I'm playing in four and I'm playing in like a long three. One, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three. Etc. Etc. So that's this, that's the second one, um, or or the second kind of compositional idea. Hopefully that's been clear. Um, and then the third one is this five thing. So obviously four fives are twenty, as in five fours are twenty. Okay. So it's one of these common things. If you play an odd time signatures, you can have this vibe of basically doing the mathematical game. You want to do a seven-bar solo in eight, you're doing an eight-bar solo in seven, aren't you? You know, I thought I'd you know, start with the uncommon form length with that with that example and the other way around where you're saying, oh, I'm playing an eight-bar solo in seven. We just play a seven-bar solo in eight. Or seven-eighths of 56, just play a 56-beat solo which is a bit weird. Like one, two, three, four. <laughs> no one's going to be counting like that. But we can certainly think about, you know, like a seven bar solo in four is really easy to kind of think about. And it's quite easy to think in, in phrases of two bars. You know, so there's your six. And then like, your last phrase is just like a, it's like a breath in it. Oh, I'm gonna, now going to reset again and play another six bar phrase. And then have one bar to kind of reset and play another six bar phrase. And mathematically, that's adding up to 56 beats. You know, it's a seven bar solo in eight, not an eight bar solo in seven. So uh, with this, I was thinking about different ways of thinking about 23. And one was five and then a three eight. Okay. Um, which I was talking about earlier on. So, the, so the groove was just very much a kind of one two one two three. So it's not it's not. Uh, 
yeah, it's not a take five. One, two, three, one, two. It's one, two, one, two, three, one, two, one, two, three, one, two, one, two, three, one, two, three, one. The reason why that is, is pretty obvious, I think, is because I want to differentiate between my my strong, the, the, the strong beats of my phrasing within five and then the the three eight bar at the end. So if I was doing one, two, one, two, three, in, uh, sorry, one, two, one, two, three, one, two, one, two, three, one, two, um, then it's harder to feel that, um, it's harder to feel that three. Whereas you've got two nice threes next to each other, you're going deck it, deck it. nice to just have those that little three at the end of the bar line which resets to a, a two okay so and this is the there's a subdivision and again over the four bar phrase of the 23 this comes back round again with the metronome won't it? because again it's it's all within the same um just like with the metronome before when you're playing four 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 sorry the, the long three or the four four version with either the seven eight or the three eight truncation this is just the five eight uh has this truncation and there's nice little variation with this five eight one which i'll tell you about in a minute <clears throat> or five sixteen or whatever you want to think about it but it fundamentally sounds uh, something like this There you go. There's one example of it. Oh, let me turn, turn that off. Whoops. Ooh, what's happening there? There you go. So what's interesting about that is you get the opposite thing. of In the 4-4, four, four, and when you play the 3-8, the uh, the metronome comes forward. Or you so you the groove moves earlier. So you get the get get the metronome on the on the second. Get, get, get. So you end up with that thing. And in the five, it's the opposite. The first one goes onto the second semiquaver of your group of five. If I can just overlay that again. I'll just play five over the top of it and not do the three-eight thing, but... So it's interesting. And then we had the 318. It adds this extra layer of, of syncopation, which you could hear in the example I played before. So there's a nice extra one that's in that five as well, because if you divide the last five and the three into a different uh, grouping, uh, Kelsbury, what do you get? You get eight, of course, which is two, four, fours. So you can have five, 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 four, four. Five, 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 four, four, which is very, I, it's my favorite one. It's the one I've least explored in the composition so far. But it was just another, like, just another funky thing. So, uh, so it kind of sounds, I'll play on the hi-hat first. It sounds a bit less with the metronome.
see it, and here it comes back in time. Well, on on the beat in the last cycle because you because you essentially resolved it two beats before the next cycle starts, aren't you? Because you're playing two lots of four. So it's that first one when it when you go five five five, then you play two lots of four, and it's syncopated against the uh, metronome, which is a tricky one. I'll try and play a four bar phrase now with the metronome. again with the cross that's pretty good so yeah so that's basically like a whole cycle of it uh, the grooves are slightly different in the tune, uh, and there's a lot more going on, so it's kind of a lot easier to stay in time. Um, but it's really good, to, I think, to practice. Turn that off for a second. Uh, it's driving me mad around the bend. Um, it's good to practice these exercises when you've got uh, just the bare bones of the, of the metronome, and you just start thinking about these different ways of sort of dividing uh, that time signature up. So, for instance, 23 you know, is a nice, you've got that seven, seven, nine thing, you know. Um, so if you're thinking about that, so you can have that kind of, um, again, over a four bar cycle, the metronome will resolve with that again. Um, so you can have, um, and, and the, the nine is nice because it's like a three, isn't it? One, two, three, but then this it would be, one, two, three, because we've got that's the division. We've got this again, we're in this division. So and if you heard when I started the cycle, it was actually on the second, the click was on the second, it was on the second semiquaver. But if I'm gonna do it on the beat this time, so one E and a two E and a three, four. So what I did there was I played seven seven and then six seven seven then twelve seven seven then nine. Um, so what you start to get into, uh, and this is very basic stuff actually, because none of this is dealing with playing longer cycles, which is what I'm going to talk about in the next episode. I'm not going to talk about this now because it's just this has gone on uh, forever already. Um, but yeah, there's that thing of this is this is just about playing over one bar. But what you're starting to get into with these longer time signatures, so you're going on playing in, you know, 23 or something, is you are actually starting to think over the bar line within these kind of longer, uh, shorter truncated phrases, because you're sort of playing around with these 
these ideas of of groupings of five and then groupings of four or groupings of five and groupings of three or groupings of six and groupings of five. Um, what you want to then start to think about is longer kind of groupings. So there, that last example, I played seven, seven, and like I said, seven, seven, six, seven, seven, twelve, seven, seven, nine, um, which, and then a, a normal bar of seven, seven, nine as well. But it basically works out again. It resolves over that, over that longer cycle over the four bars of 23 um and you can do it with with all the other all the other subdivisions that you do and you start getting into this mathematical game which links to that thing i was talking to you about before of when you're playing an eight bar solo in uh, seven is a seven bar solo in eight you know you can also start to think about this longer time signature or just thinking about playing um if i'm thinking about the four four thing then i was playing that thing before like four and seven one two three four one two one two three one two three four etc etc um, let's, let's do let's say that again so when i was thinking about this thing in uh like with the four four and then the seven eight thing you go one e and a two e and a three and a four e and a, and then you go one e and a one two three one or one two three four one two three or takadimi takita or whatever it is that you're thinking however you group in that seven you can also get into that longer thing of of just playing say one two three four two three four So now I'm in the second kind of cycle. I've done two long fours and two long sevens, if you like. Um, and now I've ended up back on the beat again. But it's just, again, it's just a way of starting to think about opening up these phrases. Um, and then we can get into uh, what we don't, what we, we're not realizing all the time we're practicing this. Oh, hopefully we're not kind of thinking about too much, but we are like becoming uh, aware of and realizing and, and, and sort of getting inspired by almost is that we start to, again, this relationship with the metronome is more as a, as a friend, as a tool, as, as a guide, as an inner subdivisional thing than the thing we're trying to play to all the time. Oh, am I, am I, am I playing to the metronome? The metronome is, is more in the gaps in the subdivision. So, it feels just basically more groovy, you know. So it feels like we're kind of grooving more with the metronome, not a slave to the metronome, you know. So um, so that kind of concludes this episode. Uh, I don't know, I have no idea how long this was. Um, and hopefully it's not too long. Next time I'm going to talk a bit more about this kind of longer phrases playing over the bar line a bit more. Uh, and, and a couple of other different things on the on the drum kit as well but I think the next two or three episodes are going to basically be here at the old at the kit uh, in the home in the home position as we call it where, where we like to be um a bit like the episode I did on soloing but I, I did into interspersed the solos um, in that episode I kind of had to put them sort of into the episode um, because it was not possible to record the episode and do the solos at the same time now I'm kind of a bit more set up to do that 
and I think it's just nicer to be kind of at the instrument a bit more. I'm normally at the pad. Uh, and I've done a few episodes where I've been sort of playing the pad at the beginning. And I think I'm just going to generally spend a little bit more, more time at the kit in the next few episodes. So, um, yeah, I've got a bit of editing to do now. I've got to get this metronome overlaid, which is going to be interesting. So, um, yeah, thanks for listening. And uh, hopefully I'll be getting back to a more regular slot in the next few weeks. Uh, got a little bit of time off work, which is going to be nice. Uh, got a few days back this week and then a few weeks off on and off. So, yeah, hopefully going to get back into a better rhythm with it all. So, um, yeah, brilliant. So thank you for listening and uh, I'll be back soon. So bye for now.